0: Y'all stay standing for me, please. Uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles. I'm going to start off by reading this amazing story. We are so uh, blessed to get to have, yes, Everett, my, my family is here. They've got their Jesus Storybook Bible. So if you brought your Jesus Storybook, storybook Bible, follow along. Uh, we are going to be in Acts chapter 3. This is a full house. This is awesome. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Labor Day Eve. My name is Jonathan, Um, I am uh, the pastor, along with my wife and family, we lead our Napier congregation and ministry, Uh, so really good to be here. Um, And if I haven't met you, we'd love to meet you after the service. So I'm gonna be preaching from Acts chapter three, so if you're there, we're gonna start reading in verse one. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which is three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said to him, silver or gold I do not have but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk taking him by the right hand he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk then he went into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what had been foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. So repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. You may be seated. What a story. Um, I gotta say that... You know, sometimes in in preparing these kinds of sermons, the more you spend time on it, the bigger it gets, and the more you go, how in the world are we gonna cover everything that's beautiful about this passage? So we will not, the answer is we will not cover everything that is beautiful about this passage, but my prayer is that the Lord can really take us into a few particular things. So what I wanna spend uh, the the time looking at today is, is what is it that this miracle, is pointing us to, right? What is it that this miracle is, is pointing us to or leading us to or teaching us? And as soon as I say the word miracle, all of us kinda jump into a, a, maybe a rut or a pattern or a, or a way of thinking about miracles because miracles don't happen every day, right? All of us have to have some way that we engage with the stories of the Bible that aren't like our normal everyday life. And you might say, well yeah, that feels like all the Bible, but in particular, people getting healed. Some of you have probably witnessed things like this. God does this. He heals people, miraculous healings happen, but it's not the everyday, I think we can all agree. And so I wanna wanna start just kind of helping us understand, kind of pull our Jeep out of the ruts for a second, and what is it that in scripture a miracle does, or the story of a miracle? Well, I kind of gave it away a little bit because what I want you to think about is that a miracle is a sign. So if you think about driving down the road, what does a sign do? Well, it, it points you somewhere, right? Or it leads you somewhere, or it tells you how to get to a certain place. So miracles point to something, and it's why in scripture oftentimes it's, they're called signs or they're called signs and wonders, and the, the word miracle isn't even always used. And what it is that the sign points to is, is really two things. And, and it's what this scripture teaches us, but it's really what the entire Bible, all the pages of scripture teach us. And the two things are that we're all lame. And I don't mean like you're a bummer to be with, okay? <laughs> Scripture's not mean like that. We're all disabled. We're all broken in our bodies. We're all sick. We're all wounded. All of us in some way we're all lame, and number two, there's healing in Jesus. Okay, that's it. If if, if nothing else, this miracle tells you you're lame, (laughs) and there's healing for lame people in Jesus. Because there's an ache that all of us has for our natural body, right, our normal, our non-miracle, to meet with the supernatural. That's just a fact. I'm not saying you feel that ache every day, But it's a fact. So um, two days ago, I got up. I was going to go work on my sermon. I don't even typically work very much on Friday mornings, but I had some more work to do on this sermon because, like I said, it just kind of kept ballooning and getting bigger. So I I went to a coffee shop um, down the street from my house called Crema. Some of you have maybe been there. There's there's like one whole wall that's a window in Crema. And so I always like to sit at this bar that faces this window wall, and it kind of lets me look out, you know, while I'm working and not be distracted by the people around me and I was there two days ago, sitting there, and there was this little group of birds, and these are those little birds that they're just always around. I don't even know what they are. I mean, probably none of you even really know what they are, but you see them. We all see them. Maybe they're sparrows, but they're like this little bird. There were probably six or eight of them, and they're just hopping around, doing their little birdie thing, and I was just, you know, doing what we all do, ignoring them, like, yeah, there's birds, and then all of a sudden, I just started to pay more close attention to them, and Let me tell you what I noticed. Uh, One of them was missing an eye. One of them was missing a leg. I mean, it it had like half of a leg and it was hopping around on this little stub. One of them, they all had three toes, except for one of them was missing one of its toes. And then the last one had a huge, like bald bare patch on his breast. And my first thought was, are these birds part of (laughs) some like underground bird fight club? And they're just like, what is wrong with this group of birds? Why are they all like a mess? And then I realized, you know, this is probably true of every little group of birds, especially like, you know, city birds. And then that made me realize we are all just kind of one little gilded layer away from seeing how broken this world really is. One of my favorite uh, pastors and authors calls our world busted Eden, right? Right? Like we live in busted Eden, right? It's not the Eden, it's not the creation that God intended, it's busted. And so you get little groups of birds that are all a mess. And we don't even think about it. Like if you begin to pay attention and look one layer deep, you're gonna see imperfection, disability, sickness, pain, suffering, things that are not the way they're supposed to be. And so what a miracle does is it's a breaking in to that reality that points us somewhere else. It's a sign to wake us up to something that's actually very natural and very real, okay? So in many ways, a miracle is like an advent. You know, we know that word advent when we study Christmas because it's God breaking into our natural to show us something supernatural. Every miracle is an advent of God breaking in to show us something, and it's what we all want. It's what we all deeply need. In other words, every time there is a miracle in scripture, like the one we're about to look at, there is an opportunity for us to be worked on by that same miracle. Okay? So let's do that. Um, Because miracles are signs, they point in certain directions, right? Which is what signs do. So the first thing we're gonna look at is how this miracle and all miracles, they, they first point us up to then bring us back down. All right, so they point us up to bring us back down. And what they point us up to is divinity to then bring us back down to what? Humanity. They do this. They point us away to something spectacular and supernatural, divinity, to then bring us back to our humanity. And I think we see this very clearly. When when Peter performs this miracle, he's very clear. He he knows exactly where everybody's head and heart is going to go, which is, "Oh my goodness, we've got some miracle workers around here." Right? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? We got these supernatural superheroes that can make people well. And by the way, that's exactly what people did to Jesus. They came running to him when he would perform miracles, not necessarily because they knew he was bringing a new kingdom of God, but because they saw a miracle worker. And so what Peter does is he's very clear to say, this is about a power that is outside of me. This miracle is pointing you and pointing me to a power that's outside of us, a reality that's away from us. It points to divinity, it points to God. Notice when Peter speaks to this man, the man asks for silver and gold, right? But what does Peter say? He says, I don't don't have any, and we'll talk about that in a second, why he didn't have any. But he says, what I do have, I give to you. What was it that he had? He had the Holy Spirit. Because just one chapter before, what is the gift that Jesus promised that the disciples receive? the tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit, right? So Peter's like, I I don't have silver and gold. Look, like my pockets are empty, but I am filled with something. I'm filled with God. I'm filled with divinity. I'm filled with the power and authority of Jesus, which is why he says in the name of Jesus. Three different times the name of Jesus is mentioned. And at that time, that would have made a little bit more sense than it even does to us today because we don't go around like saying, well, in the name of, in the name of, I do this and that. They actually did that a lot back then because a lot of times people would claim power and authority from their leader. We get this when we, you know, even like in uh, like old cop movies, like stop in the name of the law, right? We're familiar with that. That's literally what that means. Stop in the name of the law, right? This kind of disembodied idea of power and authority. Well, back then, if someone came in the name of their ruler or their king or even their master, they would say, I am here in the name of so-and-so. So Peter is using that same common way of talking to say, the power you're about to see that you think is coming from me is actually coming from something outside of me. So a miracle points away from ourselves, it leads us outside of ourselves to then lead us back to ourselves. And so it's not just that uh, uh, this miracle points to divinity, it also points down, back down to humanity. Y'all, there's something, there's so many things special and true about the Christian religion that when you begin to look at other religions, you see you're missing. And one of the things that is just, it, it's, it's too true and too good to not be real and not be authentic is that Christianity, it doesn't do what pretty much all other religions do, which is either pull you away from your humanity to kind of leave it behind like something ugly and dirty. Like if you engage in our culture, you will engage in Eastern religion that has kind of come back in to our, to our culture and our, and our social setting. Um, we see this in like practices of like yoga and health. It's, it's, it's this kind of Eastern religion that isn't necessarily even practiced as religion, but it's got this, the, the, the flavors of the religion that it came from. And in that kind of Eastern religion, most of the time, the goal, Buddhism, Confucianism, Hinduism, most of the goal is to get us outside of this kind of natural world to some other place. If we can just elevate enough, if we can kind of leave this physical form and all its brokenness behind, we'll find the divinity. Scripture says, yeah, but also, God never calls you to leave yourself to find him. He calls you to find him to then find yourself. What does Jesus say? Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. But whoever will find his life or save his life will lose it. So we see that in this story by the way that the, 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 the writer, who is, you know the, the author Luke, and the way that Peter engages with this man. So notice, this man is sitting, says he's been uh, lame from birth, which means he's never walked, right? Which means this wasn't a healing that was like, well, you know, he, he, a couple of weeks ago he fell down the stairs and his leg was really hurting, and so then Peter just kind of helped him heal a little quicker. This is a guy who, his, his, his limbs have been broken forever. He's never stood before. And so it's a miraculous, complete transformation of his life and his legs. And the way that he's laying there, we get the sense that he's, this is his identity. He didn't have the kind of social services around him that, that kind of allowed him to function in normal society as someone who's disabled, right? There was no ADA back then. So his identity was someone who was broken and it wasn't just physically, spiritually too. He wasn't allowed to worship in the temple. Okay, the Levitical law and the way that the Jews had translated that at this time meant that someone who was lame from birth would have been considered unclean to be able to participate in the worship of God. So in every way, this man was his disability. He was his suffering. He was his pain. And what does Peter do to him? And this is very instructive for us as we engage with our neighbors, as we love our friends and neighbors, because we see a model for how to do that in the way that Peter treats this man. Number one, he looks at him, right? And he looks at him so intently as to notice that this man is not looking back. He's looking down, which is interesting because the man has just asked Peter for money. So it's not like the man didn't know Peter was there. What it means is he was ashamed. He, he had learned that the way I get money is by making myself very small, right? Making myself very broken. Living in the way that he knew he was seen. But Peter says, no. Peter says, you're worth more than that. So he says, look at me or look at us. So he calls the man to look back at him so that they can actually have a physical human connection, right? So he says, look at me, and then he proclaims you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and then what does it say? He reaches down and lifts him up, which would have meant Peter was associating with someone unclean and someone unable to worship in the temple. And Peter said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage with you in our common humanity. Even though I can walk and you can't, we're gonna practice, physically engage with the fact that you and I are the same which is something that that man probably did not believe until he experienced Jesus. So you see how even, even in this way that, that this miracle calls us away from ourselves to find power that is not in ourselves, that is immediately then to take us back into ourselves because it is, our, it is us ourselves that Jesus is after. A relationship with Jesus is a relationship. It's not a way that I leave myself and I ignore myself or I see myself as dirty or unworthy to find God. No, it's in that very place that I then find him looking for me, find him reaching down to lift me as a lame person. So not only is this miracle calling us outside of ourselves, it says that this miracle is actually for us that the work of Jesus, the transformation, is actually for us. You know, just as an aside, uh, you know, I've heard people kind of preach like, well, yeah, so you see how, uh, you know, Peter didn't give this guy any money, right? And so, like, we, we just shouldn't, like, you shouldn't give money to people that ask for money. And I get, that's a, that's a complex situation uh, in the work that we do in Napier, in a, in a community of historic poverty. We're always faced with these kind of complex situations where we have to decide, you know, what, how is it God is asking me to engage with someone? But let me just make this point. Peter didn't not give this guy money because he thought it was wrong to, to give poor people money. Um, if you notice, the church had already decided how it was gonna handle this. Uh, just in the chapter before, it says they what? They, they pooled all their resources and then gave out to, you know, as much as to anyone who had need, which means Peter had already given all his money away, <laughs> right? Peter had already given his money to this little church to then distribute as people needed it. So it's not quite appropriate to take this as a, as, a, as a case of saying, well, you know, like that kind of generosity is just probably a little overboard. The Holy Spirit calls us to be overboard all the time, okay? So just a little aside there. So after taking us uh, up to divinity to then bring us down to humanity, the last thing that this miracle does is it points us forward to what will be to then bring us back to ourselves. I'm just gonna write me right here, because if you can't get personal in this miracle, you're gonna miss what the scripture has for you. Okay, so scripture, uh, this miracle takes us forward to what will be to then bring us back to who we are. How does it point us forward to what will happen? we need to know that God is, is no happier at the way this world is than we are. God is not any happier with the way things are, with the, with the brokenness that we've been talking about than we are. I think sometimes as, as Christians, we can kind of feel like because God is so transcendent, right, then he kind of just looks at everything as sort of like unemotional, right, or or he's just, he, he, you know, our problems are really all our fault, and so he's just more looking at us with a, like, a, I told you so, or yeah, you're getting what you deserve kind of face. That isn't how God looks at the suffering of the world. God did not create this world with lame people in it. God did not create this world with our brokenness in it. He did not create a world of pain and suffering. He created a world that was perfect. So have you ever wondered why miracles are the kinds of miracles that they are? healing people, physical diseases, fixing their brokenness, casting out demons, restoring people to health, right? Opening the eyes of the blind, making the lame walk. The reason those are the miracles that we see Jesus and the apostles doing is because that's the kind of work that Jesus cares about. Have you ever wondered why are there no miracles of like people flying in scripture? why aren't people seeing through walls? Why is an x-ray vision one of the miracles? If it was about just showing the power of God and making everyone go, whoa, there's a lot more exciting miracles that I could have come up with, right? I guess we got walking on water, but that was done when no one was looking. No, the, the miracles of Jesus point us forward to what Jesus has always wanted for us and what will be. The, the, the lame man going from lying on the ground to walking to then jumping and leaping and praising God is to show us what we will be doing in the new heaven and the new earth. It's not just, oh, like, okay, like my hip, it's, it's a little better, so I'm hobbling around. This guy was dancing. He was breakdancing there in the temple with full legs. Why? To show the people around God has something coming for us in the new heaven and the new earth that is amazing that you can't even believe our minds are too small to imagine the glory of our new bodies and the new earth that we're going to have. And God hurts for that just like you do. He yearns for that just like you do. He doesn't want the world to be the way that it is now. And so he's going to make it different. And that's one thing that the miracle points to, what will happen to us. But it points us away to what will happen to us, just like it points us up to divinity to take us down to our humanity. It points us away to what will happen to then remind us of what God is doing in us now. And I think this is the most of everything we've talked about. This is the most important thing because this is where in the miracle I find me. And this is where in the miracle you should find you too. So look, look with me at Verse 16. And let me try to explain this for a second. In verse 16, Peter makes it very clear that it is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know. In other words, whom you've known as someone who's lame. It's by faith in the name of Jesus that he is now made strong. And it is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. Now, let me ask you this. How could it be that faith, which is something spiritual, has created physical healing in somebody, which is something physical? Doesn't that strike you as a little odd? How how, how could it be that Peter is saying, it is faith that has healed this man? Well, it's because Peter and God doesn't create such a strong distinction between the physical and the spiritual. So go with me for a second. Peter is saying that it is faith in Jesus, which is a relationship with Jesus, which is, scripture says, faith is the way that I grasp a hold of Jesus and realize that he's grasping a hold of me. Because scripture says that faith is something God gives you for you then to hold on to him, right? Which is why it says the faith that comes through him Faith is a relationship with Jesus that we hold on to Jesus with, and it is that relationship that healed this man. Which means the miracle is that if you have Jesus, you have healing. That is the miracle. If you have Jesus, there is healing in his name for you. Now, probably where most of your minds are going is okay, yeah, but why am I still lame? I cannot tell you why, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't just immediately heal the sickness that came into the world because of their sin. In other words, I can't tell you why the story wasn't very, very short, right? I I don't know why, I have no way of knowing why, God allowed suffering and sin, and Adam and Eve chose to sin and disobey God, and then brokenness came into the world, why God didn't just say, okay, great, this is not what I wanted done, healed. I don't know. I do know that God gets more and more and more glory through his people. And I know that we get more and more joy through him. So I don't know why when you become a Christian, all your physical ailments don't go away. I don't know why when you become a Christian, all your emotional ailments don't go away. I don't know why when you become a Christian, you still have broken relationships. I know because God says it's sin that does that. I don't know why he doesn't take it away, but I do know this, this scripture says that it is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man was completely healed, which means if you have faith in the name of Jesus this morning, there is healing for you, complete healing. Physically, there will be complete healing. We just talked about it. And I know that's not like the best answer because it doesn't help you in your pain now, but it is true. It is also true, though, that spiritually, in the deepest need that you have, which is hard to believe that you might have deeper needs than the pain you're feeling right now, but in the deeper needs that you have, there is complete healing in the name of Jesus, and it is yours now. That is what this miracle says. If you have a relationship with Him, that relationship is a miracle. And it is a miracle you experience every single day. It is working supernatural healing in you. Jesus is right now. Your relationship with him is working out healing in you that is miraculous. In verse 19, Peter says, repent, turn to Jesus, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come. What he's offering right then is that your sin will be wiped away. The deepest need that you have, which is the way you have contributed to your own brokenness. Every one of you has contributed. You're not guiltless. I am not guiltless. I have contributed by my sin to my own brokenness and the brokenness of the world around me. And Peter is preaching to us to say, in a relationship with Jesus, the effects of that sin, the the charges of that sin, is wiped out. So he says, repent and receive refreshment. Receive new life. And I still might struggle to believe that, except for the fact that it's Peter who's talking. Because if you remember... The last thing Peter did for Jesus, next to last thing, the very last thing he did is he shared a meal with him. But before that, the last thing he did for Jesus before he died was he disowned him. He betrayed him. He said, I don't know that guy. (laughs) He had the opportunity. If you know the life of Peter, he's always bold. He's always like, Lord, let me, like I've got the sword. Let me fight. Let me show you how good I am. At the the perfect moment he had to show the Lord how good he was was, He ran away from Jesus and he betrayed his friend. He disowned him. And I know that this miracle I'm talking to you about is true because what does Peter say in this sermon? He points at those other people and he says, you know what, you disowned him too. Which means Peter himself has received healing from Jesus. Peter was bold enough to call out how other people have disowned Jesus because he knew how much he had done that. He had done business with his own sin and had experienced the healing that came from Jesus such that he is bold enough to even proclaim how others have disowned Jesus and how they too can receive healing. Because guys, the, the, the worst effect of your sin, I believe the worst effect of your sin is how it continues to pull you away from God and your shame. When you cannot come before the Lord, when you remain lame on the ground, Right? When, you, when you remain unable to walk in the power that you have in Jesus because you're still stuck in your sin, that might be the most damaging effect that sin has on you. And Peter is saying, rise up and walk. You have healing in Jesus. He has taken your sins away. There is now no condemnation any for, anymore for you. There is now no punishment anymore for you, so don't put it on yourself. So, I cannot think of a better way to practice the miracle that I just said is yours than coming to the communion table. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed by Peter, (laughs) right? On the night that Peter betrayed Jesus, right before that, Jesus stood up in front of his disciples, his friends, and he took wine and he took bread and he said, this wine is like my blood that's about to be poured out for you. My body is going to be opened and I'm going to bleed for you. And he said, this bread is like my body that's about to be broken for you. They broke Jesus's legs up on the cross. And we have to know that because when Jesus says, my body was going to be broken for you, he meant it. And so he said, come take this, eat my blood, eat my body, drink my blood spiritually so that you can know what that breaking of my body and shedding of my blood has done for you. So a couple things. When you come forward to partake of communion, I want to ask you to ask the Lord uh, and and tell the Lord that you are here to experience fresh and anew, not because, you, not because it has to get renewed, kind of like my, my insurance or something, but the fact that it's true for me every day, but I have to be reminded of it and I have to have it continually poured out on me. Y'all, I will sin before I make it home today and thank God that the blood of Jesus is continually being poured out on me. And so what we do at the communion table is we come to say, Jesus, I am yours. Pour out your blood put your body that's broken for me on me again because I need healing today. So come and receive the miracle of spiritual healing for you. And I also pray that you would come and bring your prayers. Bring your prayers for physical healing because God does that. I cannot tell you when he'll do it, if he'll do it, how he'll do it. I know that there is power in the name of Jesus and it's not just spiritual, it's also physical. Because God wants to show to his people afresh and anew that he is in the business of healing. So come and bring your prayers for healing this morning. We will have people who are here to pray for you. Bring your emotional needs, bring your spiritual needs, bring your physical needs, and pray in faith in the name of Jesus that he is a miracle worker for you. If uh, you don't know Jesus, if the miracle I'm talking about hasn't happened for you yet, then we ask that today would be the day that that happens. Um, I'll be off to the side. Uh, Randy and I will be, I think right outside the door. We would love to pray for you. If you don't feel like you're ready to come and partake of the table because you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, you can't say it's in faith in the name of Jesus that I rise up and walk because you don't know who Jesus is yet. This is the day to do that. So come and pray that with us if you would like. Um, there's also people in this community that would love to talk with you, uh, today, tomorrow, this week about that. Um, But for everyone in this room, there is a miracle that's being offered. Everyone. There is no one exempt from it. Not a one of you has done anything uh, that has kept the miracle of a relationship with Jesus and the healing that comes from that from you. It's available. So let me pray to that end. Um, When I'm done praying, uh, get up and come forward. Um, You can come down any of the aisles. We ask that you would then exit afterward off to the side and come back to your seat around. When you get here and and, and kneel, take your time and pray and be with the Lord. When you're ready to receive um, the bread and the wine or the juice, hold out your hands like this to let the servers know. Uh, wine is on the outside rings and then in the very center um, is, the, is the grape juice. And if you would like prayer, please cross your arms just so that the people here know um, that, that you would like that. And then again, Randy and I will be outside. Okay, let me pray. Jesus, thank you um, that the healing that was given to this man has also been given to me. Thank you that uh, the same miracle that I call supernatural is naturally working in me every day. Thank you, Lord, that the, the miracle of life, the miracle of redemption, the miracle of healing is happening all around us. There are people being healed, there are people being transformed by the power of Jesus through a relationship with Jesus held on by faith in the name of Jesus. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we ask... Now that that is true, we proclaim that that is true, and we say, Lord, would you give us the grace of experiencing it now as we pray and partake of communion? Lord, would the the Lord's Supper be a reminder to us that we are eating with you? We are are fellowshipping with you. We have you with us. And there's nothing that we have done that keeps us from you. I pray for um, those here that, for, for, for whom this story is something that's yet to be, uh, for whom these words are things that are, are drawing them um, and it feels new and it feels like stepping over a threshold into something new. Lord, we pray um, that you would give uh, them the courage and the hope uh, to say yes to that and to step forward and receive the miracle of a relationship with Jesus. It is freely offered to them through the great sacrifice of your death. So we pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen.